God, you know what I caught myself doing is listening to uh, um, Limp Biscuit the other day. I think Trav is going to enjoy that. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I I will stick up for three three dollar bill, y'all. Three dollar bill, y'all was a good album. <laughs> it and used to be my go to scrumpin' album when I was in high school. See, didn't get laid much as well. Yeah. <laughs> It's got it's good scrumping music. Try it. <laughs> you turn you turn it on. You're like nobody loves me. Nobody right. nobody wants you. I believe. Yeah. <laughs> nobody owes me a thing. <laughs> no, you're right. Nobody loves you. Fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so about my high school sex life, let's talk about a cold topic. <laughs> let's Burr. let's do some cold opens. All right, um, I we are watching Lawrence of Arabia this week, which means we decided we wanted to talk about our favorite portrayals of real life people in film. Yeah, mm. and who would like to open up? I'm gonna let Zach try. Okay, so um, <laughs> there I was looking a breakdown of the list of movies I'd seen that are, you know, like uh, biographical in some form. And, you know, there's I hadn't seen as many as I thought I had, um, but I kind of avoided most of the the uh, Oscar winning for some reason, just because I think we'll, you know, get sure eventually. Yeah. Although, although I did pick a recent Oscar winner, um, I double dipped for uh, Judas and the Black Messiah with uh, Daniel Kaluuya as Fred Hampton and Lakeith Stanfield as William O'Neill. They just both blew me out of the water. Incredible performances. At Brad Pitt as Jesse James. That that is one of the few movies where he legitimately scares me. Like there's there's some looks he has in that movie that he is wonderfully unhinged in that film. I love Brad Pitt unhinged. Yeah. Oh God. I love Brad Pitt yeah. unhinged. Have you seen 12 monkeys? Have you seen the assassination of Jesse James by the cow of no. Robert Ford? Not oh, yet. it's so good. He's yeah. incredible. I mean, I know you're not, you're not into Westerns, but it's not really a Western so much as it is a, just a slow burn. Like, sure. Yeah. I mean, you could call it a Western, but it, it's really mostly because it's a period piece set in that See, time. it's kind of like like Tombstone, yeah. where it's not like... See, when I think Westerns, I always think like spaghetti Westerns. See, and mm -hmm. it, has, it has far less trappings of like classic Westerns than Tombstone does. Far less. Yeah. Sure. It, oh, the cinematography. Oh. It's, it's, close, goose, goose it's closer to No Country for Old Men than it is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I've also got uh, Ben Kingsley as Gandhi. Um, I'm double dipping here with Denzel as Malcolm X. I did him on the politicians one, but uh, or political figures, but I just love him as Malcolm X so much. Sure. And then I'll go two more. Kate Blanchett as Catherine Hepburn in The Aviator. I, I love uh, Leo in there, but I honestly do think he was a little young for the role when he he was really good sure, in yeah. it, but I still think he was a little. Uh, also, uh, Kate Blanchett's so good as Catherine Hepburn in that movie. She wins an Oscar, giving Catherine Hepburn a technical five Oscars. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Exactly. I uh, will bring that back up again in 2004. <laughs> <laughs> My final one, I uh, kind of went, 
I feel like it's an underappreciated movie. It kind of bombed when it came out, and I didn't really see too many other people see it. But Matthew McConaughey in Free State of Jones, I think that's one of his I, I haven't best seen that. performances. I, no, I, I really liked that. it. Wow, you did not touch any of mine. So I, I took Hooray! a gamble and hooray. <laughs> All right, um, so I'm going to go with my obvious one. So when you're talking about double dipping, I think this is like the sixth time that I've mentioned this one, but Paul Giamatti is Harvey P. Carr in American Splendor. I mean, oh yeah, God, he's so fucking good. I love that movie so much. And when the real Harvey P. Carr can be yeah. in the movie and you are as good as him. Yes. <laughs> um, I also have Marco Robbie as uh, Tanya Harding and uh, I, Tanya. I thought she was nice. amazing in that movie. Like I think that was the movie where I was like, damn, she actually is really good. Like she's a really good actress. Yeah. Also shout out to Oscar winner, Alice and Janie for that film. Of course. Um, <laughs> and although you did not go with him, I did with Leo for actually for two movies uh, in catch mm-hmm. me. And if you can is Frank Abagnale jr. Um, yep. And Jordan Belfort in the Wolf of wall street. I mean, hell yeah i love me some leo I flirted, so yeah i flirted with wolf of wall street but i was like you know i think jonathan would yeah he like would. i was actually teetering on uh leo on that or uh jonah hill god jonah hill yeah, is so dip. fucking good in that movie yeah but oh it's so good but yeah so i think i've brought up american splatter now like six times at least in our cold opens but it's such a good this is one of those movies right. that i'm just happy that i'm friends with paul because of yeah, it's incredible. What do you got, Paul? Oh, um, I feel like you both brought up Leo, so I should bring up Leo. Um, I'll I'll take his uh, performance as Jim Carroll in The Basketball Diaries. Ooh, nice! Oh, hell yeah! yeah. Uh, also, because uh, I love Jim Carroll, I would like to bring up my boy Michael B. Jordan as Oscar Grant in Fruitvale Station, which is a film that got uh, robbed of every Oscar it deserved. It was the best film of 2012. Have you seen that one, Zach? You know what? <laughs> it's one that's been like on my, I need to watch this list ever since it came out, and I always sit down to watch it, and then I don't know if I'm emotionally ready for it, but I need to. I, I need said to. 2012. I meant 2013. Um hmm. It's, it's it's a hard watch like yeah. and it's it's especially hard because they open the film with the actual footage of oscar grant getting shot oh, so then the rest of the film feels like this inevitable push towards it so yeah. everything that kind of happens in the film just gives you this overwhelming sense of dread like every decision yeah. that he makes in the film is like just make a different decision please please just make a different decision and he's so yeah. like this. I I always liked Michael B. Jordan. I always thought he was good on the wire, and I liked him in Friday Night Lights, two of my favorite shows. But this was the yeah. moment I fell in love with him. I was like, this guy right. is something special, and he should have at least five Oscar nominations by now. And he has none. And uh, fucking mm. Rocket Raccoon has seventeen. So <laughs> what are we what are we doing with life? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, oh, I was gonna bring up another one. My brain just died. Uh, we'll do Forrest Whitaker's Cheaty Amin in Last King of Scotland. That's a really good one mm. that I can't wait to talk about a little further down the road. Uh, yep. And let me go back to Michael B. 
Jordan for a minute for uh, playing Brian Stevenson in Just Mercy. Another. I haven't seen that oh, yet either. Oh, it's so good. Uh, another film he should have been nominated for. Uh, and I'll say the rest of the, the top three of that film, the above the line cast, Jamie Foxx mm. is incredible in it. He's, he's not playing Jamie Foxx in any way, shape or form. And he's great. Jamie Foxx is Ray. Nice. Um, and then Brie Larson's also incredible in it, but when is Brie Larson not incredible? So Brie Larson rules. It's true. Uh, and, and I was also going to say Kate Blanchett as Catherine Hepburn. So you took that one from me because yeah, she's, she's <laughs> so good that, uh, Oh, and, um, let me go ahead and give a shout out to Taraji P. Henson for playing Catherine Johnson from Hampton. Uh, and, yeah, uh, hidden figures. Good one. Great Thanks. performance. Very I was I was good, expecting yes. a troll one from you. Were you gonna say James Cagney is George Cohen? Oh, <laughs> has had my brain been anywhere and I wasn't winging this? Oh, they would have done that. Yeah. <laughs> you want to talk about a movie? Let's talk about a movie. Let's talk. beautiful people out there in podcast land my name is paul workman i'm jonathan pierce and i'm zach mccoy and we are your oscar grouches welcome back to the oscars the podcast the show where we discuss oscar winners throughout history and try to determine where the academy went wrong if they went wrong and what are we watching this week jonathan this week we're watching lawrence of arabia who's a journey through a british officer's existential crisis as he plays a vital role in the uprising of arab forces against the ottoman empire in world war one mm -hmm. is this everybody's first time yes no mine neither zach do you want to go ahead and hit us with yeah my first time was in my early 20s um i uh obtained a copy of the another one of those shiny gold foil slip-on cover uh, academy award um editions um and i know i watched it with caitlin when i was still living at home with my parents before right before we got married um i don't remember if i watched it all in one sitting because it seems like a long movie to make your girlfriend watch at the time <laughs> <laughs> but i remember uh you know enjoying it and we'll get into that uh, I remember watching it in in and around 1998-99 uh, because uh, when AFI put out their top 100 list, the one I would go through in 2006, I decided I needed to make a point of watching the top 10. This was one of them. Then I rewatched it later on. And this is just probably only like my third or fourth time seeing the film. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's got the time. <laughs> Yeah, it's a hard one to kind of rewatch. Yeah, it's it's not. Yeah, it's not really one of those. Just oh, let me put on Lords of Arabia. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's one of those ones I'll watch clips from 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 time to time just because I'm like, oh, I need some good cinematography in my life. Yeah. All right. Let's do an Oscar breakdown. Break it down. 
it is a balmy April 8th, 1963. Again, I don't actually know what the weather's <laughs> like. Still, <laughs> still in Santa Monica Civic Auditorium. Our host tonight is the one, the only chairman of the board, Frank Sinatra, who Ooh. is, as we have discussed, better than Tony Bennett. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not into Walt Disney Oscar watch yet. <laughs> <laughs> You're still fucking wrong, but okay. <laughs> well, my sexual prowess aside, we'll get back to this. <laughs> fucking done with you. <laughs> so done with you. <laughs> <laughs> I am in a mood tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Our most nominated film on the night is Lawrence of Arabia at 10. Our most awarded film of the evening is Lawrence of Arabia at 7. Mm, lucky number Schleven. Sorry, I can't I can't hear the title Lucky Number Schleven anymore without um, thinking of a podcast I listened to called We Heart Heartnet. Oh, yes. Where when they did Lucky Number Schleven as an episode, they just spent the entire time making Slevin jokes <laughs> and everything just ended up with the SL at the front of it and now now it haunts my brain. Nice. Uh, mm-hmm. Thanks, Patrick Wilms. Also, they've moved on from Josh Hartnett because they ran out of movies and they started uh <laughs> can't get enough of Keanu, but put that on hiatus and I'm really mad. Oh. Uh Lawrence of Arabia wins best picture over the longest day. Meredith Wilson's The Music Man. Mutiny on the Bounty, and To Kill a Mockingbird. Best director goes to David Lean for Lawrence of Arabia. Lean! Picking up, picking up his second Oscar after Bridge on the River Kwai. Mm-hmm. Best actor goes to Gregory Peck for To Kill a Mockingbird, playing the great Atticus Finch, mm-hmm. uh, who was named AFI's number one hero in all of film. Okay. Oh. Uh, beating out Peter O'Toole, for Lawrence of Arabia. I want to return to that later. Please do. Yeah. Uh, best actress goes to the late great Anne Bancroft for The Miracle Worker, playing Anne Sullivan. Uh, best supporting actor goes to Ed Bagley, not Ed Bagley Jr., uh, for <laughs> Sweet Bird of Youth, beating out Omar Sharif for Lawrence of Arabia. Uh, Best Supporting Actress goes to Patty Duke, star of The Patty Duke Show. Mother Uh, of Sean Astin. Correct. Yeah. (laughs) Um, That's two Oscar ceremonies in a row where we have brought up Sean Astin's parents. (laughs) That's why I brought it up, because I didn't know that connection until after you mentioned that, so I looked it up. All right. uh, Patty Duke playing Helen Keller in The Miracle Worker. She is the youngest actress at the time to win a competitive award at 16. The only juvenile to win an Academy Award that wasn't just the juvenile award. Alrighty. Good job, Mama Dukes. There you go. (laughs) Best story and screenplay written directly for the screen goes to Divorce Italian Style somehow beating out last year's best foreign language feature winner through a glass darkly. What? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not trying to understand anymore. It catches up with it somehow, but I, <laughs> I don't understand it either. That's so confusing. All right. Best screenplay based on 
uh, material from another medium goes to two goes to two kill a mockingbird. Jeez, why was that a hard sentence? Two two Irish God. <laughs> I am not participating tonight. Um, and that beats out Lawrence of Arabia. So Lawrence of Arabia's three uh, losses are all in what we call the quote-unquote big categories. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, best foreign language film goes to a French film called Sundays in Sibelle. Sibeli? Hmm. I don't know how to pronounce that word. So moving on. Best documentary goes to Black Fox. Best <laughs> documentary short goes to Dylan Thomas. All right. Uh, best live action short subject goes to a French film called Peru Anniversary. Anniversary. I don't know how to Anniversary. pronounce that. I am not French. Giroux. Giroux. Uh-huh. Uh, and our uh, best. I thought I turned that down. But speaking of the Descendants, I am very happy that they released a new single with the original lineup. Um, Sweet. I, God, I love that band so much. And speaking of uh, people that I have been worshipping, we're going to get to our best short subject cartoons, which brings us to our podcast within a podcast, Walt Disney Oscar Watch. Oh, <laughs> uh, Nice. Yeah. Uh, Walt Disney is nominated for a symposium of popular songs, and it features songs that were written by the Sherman brothers, uh, but loses to the whole. <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> a film uses improvised dialogue from Dizzy Gillespie and George Matthews as two construction workers at work in the bottom of a hole on a construction site discussing the possibility of an accidental nuclear weapons attack. That sounds amazing. That sounds Jesus. Amazing. Dizzy Gillespie. Hell yeah. Yeah, no joke. With, okay. with music by bad. Dudley Moore. Okay. So Dizzy Gillespie. Oh, Arthur yeah. has a uh, hand in there. <laughs> uh, so that's it. One nomination, one loss. I love Dizzy Gillespie's cheeks. I got to you know, he's always got the mm, big yeah. cheeks mm -hmm. on his. Absolutely. Aren't the only cheeks we're appreciating this week, right, Zach? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, My first ever thousand view TikTok. Oh, did it get that high? A thousand, yeah. Still, but I, you know, I mean, I'm not surprised. Check it. It Those summer a, squashes yeah. were really nice. <laughs> <laughs> Wreck it, Ralph. Um, <laughs> if, I, if I make a video, I'm sure I'd get more, but you know, oh, check sure. out just, check out yeah. Zach's. Uh, TikTok page, House Havoc, if you would like to know what we are referencing. As long as the video is up there, I might take it down eventually. We'll see. If it, we'll see how long the wife lets it stay up. <laughs> All right. So, best music score, substantially original. Substantially original. I can't talk tonight. Is that part of the award or is that the winner? That is part of the, that is part of the title now. Best music score, uh, substantially original. Okay, okay, but I want like a kind of original award now. Uh, goes to Lawrence of Arabia. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, beating out Elmer Birdstein for To Kill a Mockingbird and uh, beating out Jerry Goldsmith for Freud, getting his first nomination. Hello, Jerry Goldsmith. Hey, Jerry. Hello. Best scoring of music, adaptation, or treatment. 
just getting weird uh goes to very unfortunately meredith wilson's music man yeah when it very <sighs> obviously should have gone to gypsy i'm quoting a title i am not using a racial slur and i apologize yeah. right uh because that's a great musical jonathan absolutely loves it that's so boring so it's it's boring really <laughs> it's like ah uh, it's so boring uh i and also every time I, I I see it, I always think of the all white the Wiz cast. <laughs> <laughs> I did not watch the Music Man this week, but I re-listened to some of the songs, and I just don't like it. It's, it's I don't. a bad musical. Yeah. yeah, the only song I do like is uh, "Till There Was You." I mean, I'm <laughs> yeah, that one's fine, I guess. Yeah, uh, but everything else about it sucks, and I don't. Yes. I didn't watch it this week either. I. Could not bring myself to. Uh, best song goes to Days of Wine and Roses from Days of Wine and Roses. Music by Henry Mancini. Lyric by Johnny Mercer. Uh, beating out Love Song from Mutiny on the Bounty. <laughs> so I really wanted to watch this version this week. Um, I didn't, but I really liked the first one. So I was going to try this one. I, I'll tell you this. It doesn't add much. Uh, the ending is completely different, but the location shooting is gorgeous. But I'll get more. Now I just, I mean, I know I got what, like a couple <laughs> more chances to catch another remake of this freaking movie. So yeah. at least one more, <laughs> at least HMS. Now thing. I just, uh, yeah, I see like the, the, the ship going away and the crew looking back at the, the Island and love song playing no matter <laughs> the, the cure song. <laughs> yeah. I anyway. will always love you. Um, all right. Uh, best sound goes to Lawrence of Arabia. Fuck yeah. Best art and art direction, black and white, goes to Kill a Mockingbird. Goes to To Kill a Mockingbird. Why is that so hard <laughs> to say? I need to. Jeez. You can call it Tecam. <laughs> Tequila Mockingbird. Tequila Mockingbird. Yeah. Uh, best art direction, color goes to Lawrence of Arabia. Best cinematography, yeah. black and white, goes to The Longest Day. Best Cinematography mm -hmm. Color goes to Lawrence of Arabia. Yep. Mm -hmm. uh, best Costume Design Black and White goes to Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. Best Costume Design Color goes to The Wonderful World of the Brothers Grimm. <laughs> wow. Yeah, which has picked up a few nominations here and there. Okay. Uh, best Lawrence of Arabia is not nominated, of course. Uh, but Mary Willis beats out our girl Edith Head who uh, was nominated for My Geisha. Uh, best Film Editing goes to Lawrence of Arabia, and Best Special Effects goes to The Longest Day, beating out Mutiny on the Bounty. There are no special awards tonight. There is no Thalberg Award, but Steve Brody picks up the Gene Herschelt Humanitarian Award. All right. That's where we're at. Thank you kindly. Yeah. All right, so let's discuss this movie. Please. Um, We'll begin this with The Streak is Broken. I like this fucking movie. It's uh, a damn good yay. movie. <laughs> I love this movie. <laughs> um, for a three and a half hour movie, I was with it the entire time. Uh, you know, outside of the three and a half hours of White Savior, but you know. See, and I was, yeah. but I was kind of, I knew that was going to come up tonight, and, and I have thoughts, but please continue. But, but where I kind of got a, 
okay with it was the fact where you started talking about the AFI's uh, top heroes. Homeboy was not a hero by any stretch of the imagination. He was yeah. an, an accidentally tactically thought up guy who just happened to be lucky pretty often. Mm-hmm. Uh, who was basically forced into situations that were not heroic situations. He was a victorious person mm-hmm. where I think that's where they kind of were getting at. But as to being a hero, he saved one guy and killed that guy. <laughs> so, I mean, where was he heroic there? there I don't think he was overly brave. He was cocky at like one or two points. Uh, but I would never say brave. I I just, yeah, definitely not a hero by any, and he, he fucking went insane. Essentially. Like, yeah. I mean, that's just what, yeah. I mean, and the way Peter O'Toole did it was amazing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, that's the only reason why I think that whole white savior thing, it, it was there, but it, he wasn't a good guy. He was just a yeah. guy who was in situations that he was forced into took it further in certain points, but yeah. I... My, my full thought on the white savior thing is that the movie's actually really smart about it and really fair about it. Like it, like for the first half it's going that route. Like all the characters are like, yes, Lawrence come save us. And, um, you know, the prince and, and everybody are just like, Oh, you know what you're talking about. But then as you get into the second half, they're all like, Wait a minute, this guy is kind of fucked up. Let's not <laughs> rely on him so much or follow him. And it kind of ditches the white savior thing. Yeah. yeah. Like, look, look, your presence represents Britain fucking this whole area up. <laughs> yep. You know, yeah. That, yep. That's kind of. That's trying to let's, let you finish, Zach. Yeah, that, that, that's my complete thought for now. It's kind of an incomplete, yeah, still uh, brewing thought. My, my biggest note on him being a white savior is who the fuck did he save because it was <laughs> exactly no, <one>. no <laughs> he didn't save a goddamn person <laughs> and in fact he as zach just said he essentially just makes it easier for britain and france to come in and be like okay we state claim here now yep <laughs> yeah and um it when when they're doing all like the negotiations and stuff and they just completely break down. And the two guys who were like his closest wartime confidants just turn on each other. Like nothing, nothing changed. Absolutely nothing changed. You didn't save a goddamn person. (laughs) (laughs) I think, you know, he starts out with, uh, as an admirable character with, um, good intentions but then he gets wrapped up, obviously, in himself. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> the whole, but he does. Whole, he, but yeah. I, I don't know. Like, I mean, they roller coaster this character a lot. Yeah, they do. They do. So, I, which, which also kind of goes against the white savior narrative is that the white savior narrative might stumble a little bit, but they're generally like good and right. Where yeah. he is just kind of he's a source of chaos. Yeah, uh, there's. <laughs> There's that moment at the very beginning where he's playing with the matches and the and the other British soldiers like, hey, can I try that? And he lets the matches burn down to his fingers he's like ah, it hurts. Like, yeah, well, yeah, it hurts. It's fire. <laughs> yeah. Well, 
how does it not hurt you? He's like, oh, it hurts me. It's just the trick is to not think it hurts. And that's essentially what he tries to get away with through this entire film is I'm going to go through this vast expanse to mount this, uh, mount this attack from behind these guns with 50 other guys because I'm just going to convince myself that this doesn't hurt. Yeah. I'm well, going to convince myself that each, each mental piece of anguish doesn't hurt, even though you can see it chipping away at his soul. Oh God. See, and now that you bring that up, it, it does add just this additional layer of just, because eventually you see where it starts to hurt him. Like to the point where he starts to admit it. Hey, now nah, I'm good. Nope, nope, nope. Done tapping out. And they're like, nah, dude, you're still here. Come on. <laughs> you know you, you, you said it didn't that. hurt. Come on. You can do it. So uh, outside of that white saver thing, there obviously was some casting issues a little bit again, but, <laughs> but God damn was Obi-Wan awesome. Like <laughs> son yeah. of a bitch. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's real unfortunate that, that, him and Anthony Quinn are just so fucking good in this right. movie. Yeah. Because, you know, it kind of gets back to George Securus from last week where it's like, or two weeks ago, last year, whatever. Um, where it's like, oh, he's so good at, as Bernardo, but should he have been? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, this this movie, so once again, for three and a half hours, this movie, I I was with it the entire way. Um, because even in your more slower scenes, what you're getting is, as Zach had pointed out earlier, some just amazing cinematography. <laughs> like, how do you make nothing look so damn good? And and not and not just that it looks good, it's that these these shots give you such a feeling of what is happening in the moment. Yes. Like, yeah. Everything is just so massive. It is. I mean, and and when when they're going through that massive expansive desert to mount that attack, and there's all those wide shots of the camels just yeah. against this empty sky and desert below, and it just yeah. feels like they're trapped. It's incredible. Like they use this the <laughs> they use the frame so perfectly. Yes. When when you first meet Ali, Ali and. Uh, uh, Lawrence and his his traveling companion are sitting at that well, and they just slowly bring him into frame from like all yeah. the way in the distance. There's just this mounting tension, and at no point does that shot feel like it goes on too long, and it goes on for a long time. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. uh, one of the issues I did have with this movie is trying to figure out where it started and what it was about. So, and when I say that, I mean, I don't know what Lawrence's initial orders were. Cause it just, I don't know. It felt like, I don't know if the dialogue was too fast or if it just something wasn't clicking for me at the moment, but it felt like it was like, Hey, your job is to go find this guy. You go, go. And it turned into him just kind of completely saying, fuck everything else. I'm going to go do my own thing because I can, even though he really can't. So like when he goes and he yeah. takes over that uh, town, it's like you're going against orders, like not just going against orders, but like completely almost basically going AWOL at that point. And who are you? 
because they, they make it like at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, the guy reads books. He reads a lot of books. He knows his books. But nothing says, hey, this is a tactically minded guy. And even throughout the movie, he's just not tactically minded. He just ends up happening in these situations and being able to talk himself into a bigger armor army, basically. Like, there is no strategy in what he's doing other than I can talk to the people who maybe are making those strategies. So it, it became difficult for me to kind of figure out why this guy throughout this movie. And I've, yeah. it could have been the eyes. Like, <laughs> I, it, honestly, everybody was just looking at Peter O'Toole going, nah, dude, what? Yeah, no, you're cool. It's like looking into Paul's eyes. It's the same thing. Yeah, it is. So... <laughs> Because goddamn those eyes. Piercing. <laughs> Jonathan piercing. Oh. <laughs> but, so, I mean, and, and that was the problem that I had. Um, that's why Zach wrote my synopsis today. Because <laughs> it was just not, trying to figure out, like, what, what this movie was about. Was I mean, was it literally about yeah. this guy who, I mean, it's not like he forced gumped his way through the movie. He, he, he uh, did I mean, stuff. Essentially, essentially, from the moment he enters... Basil's uh, presence in the film. He just be, he just uses brash. Um, wow, the word just like dropped. A fake of false confidence or some bravado. Com- confidence maybe. is yeah. close enough to what I was trying to think of. Yeah, so it's his brash confidence to to pretty much power his way through anything. And once that veneer starts to slip off, like everyone starts losing faith in him. Yeah. Um. But mostly, yeah, uh, apparently this uh, Mr. Dryden, played by my new favorite actor, Claude Rains, who's who this is the last time we'll see him in the best picture. And I'm so sad, uh, mostly because he only does a few films after this and he dies in like 67 or 68. So um, uh, he apparently just thinks Lawrence's brash confidence will get him far and it does so yeah. he handpicks him for this mission uh and just sends him to be kind of Faisal's right hand man even though there is already a man posted with him who is apparently getting nothing done yeah sure so i'm not an expert on world war 1 or the middle eastern theater of uh of the war yeah but basically i mean you know, it's hard to know. There's some people that knew Lawrence that said, you know, some the movie takes some liberties. You know, it's a movie. Um, but essentially, I guess, you know, he was sent there to help make sure the the British interest is being honored. Like, you know, make sure these Arabs are are not messing up our interest in the area. But then he goes against it which is why the guy that was there is like, what are you doing? You're, you're doing the wrong thing. But then as it gets crazier and crazier, I think they're seeing that he's causing all this unrest and, and making the, the area unstable. Yeah. And, and they're like, okay, this actually does work in our interest. Let him give him all the shit so he can keep doing this. Yeah. And like, like Paul said, Britain and France move in. And so, and I think that's actually um, part of, the reason why I couldn't figure out what was going on, especially in the beginning um, was because when we think of world war one, just like they even said in the movie, the war is on the Western front. So that's what we all generally remember. And it's not so much what's going on here. So I think it's 
Yeah, a, a little bit of watch the right hand as the left hand does this. Yeah. Uh, good, good misdirection on part of the British military. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it was nice to see, you know, something you don't see in history. Also, I mean, obviously, this movie is yeah. a, I mean, classic. I mean, for every reason as it should be. Um, but yeah, I think just not knowing much of this front. It's one of those movies that makes me want to learn more. And oh, I mean, sure. I spent a little time on uh, a couple of websites looking around afterwards, but just so much to. Well, I'm sure seeing the ramifications <laughs> like of how it's affecting even now. Right. Yeah. Thinking about Damascus and Syria mm-hmm. and how that that area is still unstable. Yeah. Yeah. And and I mean, it was on it was unstable before World War One. And yeah. this one man comes in and thinks he's going to change it. Like, yeah. essentially, if we're going to get to the white savior back to the white savior narrative, he thinks he is a white savior, which, again, is yeah, not right. a common trope of a white savior. White yeah, savior is right. just a good person. Yeah. He's doing good. And he he thinks he's a good person doing good. Yeah, absolutely. Is not. <laughs> yeah. Until they get to the Arab Council and he's like, oh, See, oh, God. Do it. I <laughs> that's where it got brilliant, because it's like, hey, hey, I got what I wanted. What do I do with this? <laughs> Shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, what? None of you are engineers and know how to work power and telephones. What? <laughs> like, oh, God, that it was just beautiful. I mean, and just watching, you know, the British military treat this guy like, hey, you are, hey, you're doing great. You know, you are a hero and everybody's showing that. But, every, you know, watching the higher ups going, oh, that we're fucking this guy. Like him, just watching them sh- treat him like a scapegoat. But also going, but if he gets us what he wants or what mm. we want as well, it, it, it's a win-win situation for them. I'm just thinking right now as we're talking about that, that shot at the end when um, Prince Faisal comes and, and they're all talking towards the end and, and they're all in the light. And then Peter O'Toole standing in the shadows cast across them yep. like, Oh God, give me chills. Yeah. Yep. Um, also, I will say the beginning set seemed fucking pointless. The, the motorcycle to his death. Fucking why? Uh, I, like, I mean, you, I like you get it, something like, like that. It's foreshadowing something, but it, doesn't where it, it kind of foreshadows his recklessness yeah where he jumps on this motorcycle and just speeds down this road and because other people are using the road he dies so if <laughs> if it gave me anything it kind of felt more like a uh this guy's super bipolar because you watch this dude up and down hard even in yeah. situations where it's like because yeah obviously when he's tortured you're going to be down but there are moments where it's just like nothing happened. Hey, I'm up and now I'm down for no reason whatsoever. So yeah. seeing that motorcycle thing is like this guy's trying to get a high. Like, yeah. But I think um, I think I read something about maybe that he actually was uh, not diagnosed, but like post-diagnosed bipolar. Like, and it would make sense. Yeah, yeah. that would make sense. Uh, the one thing I do love about the beginning is all the uh, all the people just making up their own version of T.E. Lawrence. Yeah. Because that's essentially what this film does. Yeah. And I think that's Uh kind of brilliant where they're like, here are, here are the legends of T.E. Lawrence rather than the truth. Yep. Uh, You can, that's a good point. You can kind of give a shit about it, but guess what? We're telling (laughs) you right now that we're not necessarily telling the truth about him. 
That is a good point. <laughs> Didn't really click entirely till right now, but yes. yeah, yeah, I I absolutely love that. Like the moment because I I did not remember that scene. Even like I said, I've watched this like three or four times, and the things that stick with you are the things that stick with you. But when I watch it as instead of like as fun and a more critical lens, those kind of things pop start to pop out to me. It's like, well, yeah. what are we trying to say with this up front? <laughs> and it's like. We don't know T.E. Lawrence personally, but here's a story about him. Enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. God, it's, it's such a good movie. It really is. Like, and yeah. honestly, you guys were talking about how this is not something you'd, you know, you'd pop in because, you know, it is a longer movie, but I, I could see myself just going, I think I want to watch Lawrence of Arabia right now. I really That's do. Awesome. I think it's just one of those like, I, I do, like, I, especially I think how Paul put it, I want to get some good cinematography right now. Because, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. what just a beautiful fucking it, movie. It's one of those things I'll end up on like movieclips.com or some shit. You know, one, yeah. one of those kind of uh, movie clips YouTube channels just to watch shots from yeah. this movie because it's like, oh, God, it's so good. Uh, <laughs> I think my review on it was like, oh, God, <laughs> let me bring it up. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of David Lean and I'm, I'm glad I've got to watch so much of his stuff while doing this podcast. Oh, yeah. Um, he did um he did uh great expectations right yes uh, yeah that was my first time watching it during the podcast and just everything yeah everything just uh, continually ups itself it's like, yeah the fact that the fact that he could he could make a film that beautiful with that aspect ratio in black and white and then yeah. turn around like oh yeah watch what i do with this <laughs> right he's he's just incredible i I just said David Lean could probably make paint drying look incredibly gorgeous. Yeah. Yep. The guy just knows how to use a camera. All right. So do we have any other notes we'd like to talk about this movie, gentlemen? Um, no, not really. I, I, I feel like I hit what I needed to hit. Uh, I wish there wasn't so much brown face, but yeah, there is. And Omar Sharif is incredible. We didn't talk about Omar Sharif almost at all. Yeah. He's so good in this movie. Yeah. I was going to bring that up too. Like, <laughs> Why not cast more Arabic actors when you have, I mean, he was the heart of the movie. and Yeah, no, he's incredible. He's great. And I mean, like, I can, I don't know. I, I can't think of reasons why you wouldn't, aside from the fact that where else are you going to put Alec Guinness in this film? <laughs> yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, uh, David Lee just wants to work with him again. Right. Yeah. And why wouldn't you? He's so incredible and on the waterfront, wins him an Oscar. Like, yeah. I mean, Bridge on the River Kwai. I did it again. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Sorry, I'm looking it, at it is on the waterfront. So. I'm I'm looking at my my list and they're right next to each yeah, other. Yeah. And I was staring at <laughs> that poster. Um, at least I didn't say all quiet on the Western Front this time. Yeah. Bridge on the River Kwai. My God, my brain is garbage. <laughs> I never. No, I maybe I shouldn't even speak this. Like I never want to defend Brownface, like, but it's like almost convincing on him. I don't know. Uh, it's, it, yeah, no, yeah, he's so good. It's like, yeah, it sucks. Well, and, and, and it it the, really sucks. Him and Anthony Quinn just fucking ruled this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the other uh, only other thing I was gonna mention was um, there there is some rumors about Lawrence's uh, sexuality and things. Um, most close to him said that he always kind of came off as asexual. Like he just didn't, didn't do that kind of stuff. Right. So, but 
some of his writings may have suggested that he, you know, he had male partners that, he, but he just wasn't really interested in that. So I liked how the movie. So are you <laughs> those... talking about the one time that I almost, <laughs> I'm going to still make that gift of uh, this little kind of jaunt he makes towards the other officers. <laughs> Please uh, tell me, of, you know what I'm talking about kind of near the end when he's, he's yeah, running he, up like, to the two officers. He skips towards them with his hands down and, and well, palms down and out. And, yeah, I mean, he's a very flamboyant and person yes, in general, I, but yeah. I was going to say, uh, I, I, he he does come off, Peter O'Toole in this film comes off as what I guess you would refer to as effeminate. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, um, I like that they did that with him, but I was going to say more that like his arousal came from the violence, like that one scene where he finally realizes that he likes killing or oh god when he when he said it though i was like oh because that's not what i that's not what i saw when he did it i saw a guy that was hurt but when he said he thinks he like is like oh yeah i'm trying to i think it, it was between or oh it was right when um the one guy went to get his uh revenge on his village being massacred and and he sh- like has that shudder of excitement. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I was like, it's kind of creepy, but I get what they're doing. Very complex individual. Yeah. Yeah. I think <laughs> good things about this movie. It's, a, it's, I, I don't think it's a perfect movie. It has its faults. And I, yeah. and, I'll, and I, and I think that's not just with things like the, the, the brown face. And uh, the, I mean, it has its moments where I don't think it's once again, I think it's exact, exactly as long as it is. And if there's any pacing issues, it's filled with just beauties for your eyeballs to eat. Yeah. So it, it at no point makes you feel like you're, you're wasting any minute whatsoever, but, um, but yeah. So uh, let's go ahead and uh, see if this is in the library of Congress, Paul. Uh, it is, even though this is a British film, it got oh. American, had an American distributor backing it. So it, it's, it sneaks in on the technicality and it is okay. in the national nice. film registry. Uh, give me a year. I think because of the technicality, I'm going to go a little late here and I'm going to say 2012. Hmm. I feel a little earlier. I feel like maybe it's a uh, 92. Oh, Zach, you're so close, but you do not win the prices right. Wow. 1991. Ah, Damn it. One of these times we're going to get it. Third class. Jonathan's gotten it once. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, Yeah, got 1991. So it was a third class film. All right. So our other 1962 films are uh, Days of Wine and Roses, The Hole, (laughs) How the West Was Won, which I'm gonna have to look up. Oh. I'm gonna have to look up what's going on there because it gets nominated for Best Picture in '63. <laughs> um, huh. Lawrence of Arabia, The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, The Manchurian Candidate, Meredith Wilson's The Music Man, Ride the High Country, and To Kill a Mockingbird, which does not go in until 1995. Hey. Oh, wow! Wow! Oh, gosh! Wow. All right. Well, let's get into our worsty judgments here. He said it right. He did. He said it in his head 50 times before I said it. 
<laughs> All right, Zach, does this movie deserve Best Picture? Does it deserve Best Picture? So, uh, go versus the nominees. You got the Music Man was he's crap. Uh, didn't watch this version of Mutiny on the Bounty. Um, Longest Day I watched for the first time, and I was really impressed with it. To be honest, I like it. Um, you know, it's been surpassed in technical brilliance by things like Band of Brothers or Saving Private Ryan. But I don't know that outside of that I'd really seen a movie that so well kind of weaves all different perspectives. Yeah. The uh, fact that it was directed by three different guys for each segment yeah, is incredible. Yeah. yeah. It's really a beautiful it won black and white cinematography, didn't it? Yes. And, and the realism was amazing as far as like, didn't show a lot of blood and guts or anything, but just, I was watching it and, with headphones and the sound was incredible. Anyway, it, it's a great movie. The only thing that I think drags it down is some of the dialogue is really hokey. Like, like the people are sitting there talking about this day is um, uh, gonna we're living in history. It's like people don't talk about that like really in the moment that much, unless you're like talking sports or something. But everybody was forcing how important what was happening in the dialogue. And it... <laughs> Leanne's come <laughs> on, so uh, mascot of the podcast. Going crazy. Nice. Yep. So I watched The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance for the first time, and that was amazing. Not nominated, though, but um, got a shout out to uh, Ivan's Childhood, uh, Tarkovsky's first film, even though I know that's a foreign film, too. So it comes down to me for two. You've got Lawrence of Arabia or To Kill a Mockingbird. On my personal, personal scale, To Kill a Mockingbird is one of my absolute favorite movies of all time the movie the book and the movie hold a special significance because caitlin and i met in ninth grade english and we read the book and we watched the movie and our eldest son his middle name is atticus and that for me would be my personal pick but a long answer to say lawrence of arabia definitely deserved to win best picture it's a iconic classic for a reason and i'm not mad at it um I, I 100% with you. First off, To Kill a Mockingbird is the only other movie that I think I've seen this entire year. Um, and I think that To Kill a Mockingbird is a more important film, but when it comes to which is a better movie, I think as a whole, Lawrence Surf of Arabia wins, especially when you get it down to things like cinematography. Yeah. Um, the The cast, I mean... Everybody was amazing in this movie, and I mean, yeah, To Kill a Mockingbird is an amazing movie, and it's got such a it, the message is so important, and especially at the time that it came out. But if you just take it down to them as movies, I think Lawrence right. of Arabia beats To Kill a Mockingbird, beats that bird to death. Yeah, Paul. All right, so going uh, worst to first, uh, Meredith Wilson's Music Man sucks i hate that musical <laughs> um it is terrible it is not fun and has a bunch of bad music mm -hmm. uh and the opening number is called rock island so i spent five years living in an area that worships that musical so it made that worse for me <laughs> uh then mutiny on the bounty uh it was fine uh I like the original a lot, but the I honestly think this remake didn't do anything to build on it. Uh, they they completely changed the ending, and they show Fletcher Christian dying on 
the island, which is kind of dumb and a bummer. Mm. Um, I think Marlon Brando is woefully miscast as Fletcher. Uh, he absolutely should have played Bly. There's yeah. more right with it than there is wrong. And it's a beautiful looking film, especially when they do the on location stuff, because when unfortunately in high definition, when they're, when they're cutting from this beautiful on location shooting to Marlon Brando and his love interest in front of a green screen, it is horrendously obvious <laughs> um, or rear projection. However, however they were doing it around that time. Yeah. It's it's not great. It's not a great movie. It should not have been nominated for Best Picture, especially over The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, which is probably my second favorite John Ford film. Mm. Uh, and um, uh, Manchurian Candidate, which is uh, kind of a perfect movie. I love that film. Uh, then I guess I'll go Longest Day. I'm, I'm with you on everything you said, Zach. It, it is incredible. It has a grand scope. It is beautiful. It is got a star-studded cast everybody's yeah. good in it but yeah there is a lot of hammy dialogue where <laughs> where there's a little too much hero worship of the u.s army which you know it's about d-day so there should be some but it goes a little overboard yeah artificial uh, feeling it's a really good movie though it's it's an yeah. interesting watch and as as you said, uh, when we hit 1998 and Saving Private Ryan comes out and just blows that fucking film out of the water, it's so good. And then and, and there's To Kill a Mockingbird. It's such an incredible story, and it probably should have won Best Picture. I mean, I, I didn't name any of my children after Atticus Finch. I, I did name a car after Scout. Had a gold <laughs> Kia. That's just good. Yeah, it's the same. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, if you, if you need to know, my car now is a Hyundai Accent, and I named it Shoshana. Nice. <laughs> also, I have a 1974 Volkswagen thing named. I was Grim. about to ask you, when are you going to get the thing out there? <laughs> uh, one day, it's one of those things where my dad keeps telling me he's going to take it to his house so we can work on it in his garage, mm -hmm. and that just hasn't happened. Sure. Um, Very nice. So anyway, it, The Kill a Mockingbird just—it's such a good film. I. Yeah, love everything about it. I love the story, and I hate that Harper Lee did a sequel to it and made uh, Atticus yeah. Finch a racist. <laughs> uh, yeah, what a bummer. Um, so that book doesn't exist. I made that up. I I, I can't yeah. remember. I know it's a little off topic, but was it published after she died, and she never wanted it published, or I, I can't remember what. Or did she actually put it out before? I feel she like died? she put it out before she died. Like it, yeah, it came out she, like right before she died or something yeah. like that. But I think she sat on it for years because she really wasn't happy with it. Maybe I don't know. So I, I don't. I don't yeah. consider it existing either. I haven't. I haven't read it. I just. Yeah. I I know a lot of people who did who were very unhappy. Yeah. Yeah. We could just Christopher uh, Lee this and say like she had a child that did it. It doesn't <laughs> count. <laughs> Christopher Tolkien, not Christopher Lee. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, no, but Christopher Lee knows what it's like. Know what it sounds like when a man gets stabbed. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there are a few there are a few movie facts that make me happier than that one. Right. All right. Um, <laughs> so all this to say that um, if I if I had to pick a film for Best Picture over Lawrence of Arabia, it would probably be To Kill a Mockingbird or Manchurian Candidate because I love them both. 
Lawrence of Arabia is an experience and it is a mood. Yes. And it is incredible and it deserves best picture. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, so was this the worst best picture, Paul? Not even close. It's oh, okay. sitting right now at my number nine because, you know, I had to, I had to take points off for the brown face. So mm-hmm. yep. it gets, it gets knocked down the totem. So it's, it's, it's sitting kind of in that West side story vein where, uh, it, it really sucks that they did that, that they felt they had to do that for whatever reason, but it's too undeniable of a film yeah. for me that, uh, I can't rank it any lower as a film based on how just incredible and massive it is. And it's sitting at number nine, right under all quiet on the Western front and right above from here to eternity. Nice. It's Um, okay. It's good. It's so good. Yeah. I would definitely put this in my top 10. Still haven't come up with my list because I still have uh, another David Lee movie to watch. And, you know, I'm going to watch a great Zach build eventually. We'll see. Eventually. Eventually, but yeah, this is definitely a top ten. Um, because in, and again, I know that you hate this word, but this movie was an epic. This movie is an epic. Yes, like <laughs> he he's fine with it. it. That's the kind of movie it is. But oh, I, dude, it's epic. That's the I, kind of I am better. The movie isn't epic. epic. It is an epic. I am better with <laughs> yeah. epic as a noun than as a verb. Yes, yeah. <laughs> we'll put it that way. Yeah. Yes. Um, and Zach, it is also in my top ten. It is definitely not the worst best picture. I, it, you know, I'm gonna wiggle around. If it's somewhere between six and ten, it's gonna fall in there. So, yup. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening to us today. Uh, my name is Jonathan Pierce. You can find me at Altorn underscore Occam on the Twitters, on the Twitch TVs, and on the TikToks. Zach, where do we find you? Find me on Critiker, Zackmaster, X-A-K-K-M-A-S-T-E-R, where you can see my short movie reviews. Um, or on TikTok at Havoc House. Or House Havoc. Yes. <laughs> House Havoc. I don't even know my own. <laughs> Sir, you need thing. to make sure you get this right. That summer squash needs to be seen. Yes. House House Havoc. House yes. Havoc. House Havoc. I know this. I know this because I, when you said you were encroaching on a thousand views, I had to go look you up so I could witness that number for myself and holy shit good job oh well thank you (laughs) um (laughs) you can follow me on instagram twitter uh tiktok and letterboxd at father of the fear across all platforms follow me on letterboxd where you can keep track of my rankings of all these best picture films all right and what are we watching next week zach next week we're watching who tom jones which you can find uh, rent on Amazon or Apple TV. And Paul's got his nice criterion copy. And it's only two hours and nine minutes. Yeah. That's standard DVD copy. So watch that. Enjoy your 720 nerd. <laughs> Get wrecked in 169. <laughs> we would like to thank Trav from our sister podcast, Leveling Up with Benjamin Banks. For producing our show, we would like to thank Chad Ramsey for our most excellent theme song. We'd like to thank Megan and Jay Bellevue for our beautiful artwork. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Oscars the Pod and on Facebook at the Oscars the Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, follow the podcast, or whatever word we're using these days, and leave us a nice review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. 
because it really helps us to be seen in the almighty rhythm of Al Gore. Mm-hmm. God, love it. Mm, just gets, mm, gets me in the mood. Jonathan and Zach and T.E. Lawrence, I would like for you all to have a damn fine day. <laughs>